Okay, good evening, everyone. It is wonderful to be with you. It is wonderful to be with you and you. Um, this is our last large group of 2020. And I just, uh, you know, we're going to be working on some ways to stay connected and encouraged over the break, but this is our last Tuesday night, normal Tuesday night together. Uh, and I just, I want to say uh, a special thank you. If you give some snaps to our, to our worship team, worked really, really hard this semester to, uh, to lead us in, in a weird circumstance. So thank you so, so much to you and to everyone who's led. Thank you to our uh, amazing announcers. I mean, I don't think there's ever been better announcers. Much props, snaps to you guys. Uh, thank you to the Dream Team, to, to Ben and to Laws and to Abby. They, they do a lot of work to produce this. They are producers, which is not the job they signed up for. Uh, and then mo- mostly thank you to you guys who have sort of stuck with us and have leaned into trying to figure out how to do a community during a, a, such a weird time of disconnectedness of campus life, who have uh, joined Zoom calls and sung in your bedrooms um, with headphones in on the colonnade. It's, it is wonderful uh, to have seen the way that God's worked, even as we, every, every Tuesday night, feel that, that longing to, uh, to be together. We are, we are finishing our series. We took a break and did Psalm 23 last week, and now we're finishing the, the book of James. And James has been, uh, all along, we've talked about this call to a life of true religion in the midst of trials and testing. And I feel like every week it's become more apparent that we're going through trials and testing. And, and you know, like every semester, you, you end on the hardest part, right? You guys have exams just around the corner and, and projects and projects and papers. And you continue to deal with, with COVID. And some of you are still quarantined and isolated. And uh, for many of us, the way that the election unfolded, just another thing that led to anxiety uh, and worry and fear, wh- whether the outcome to you is something uh, that you're relieved about and thankful for and celebrating or disappointed and sad about. We're dealing with all these different things, and we get to what is tonight sort of the culmination of this life of true religion, according to James, which is a life of prayer. And that's where we're going to end. So we're going to look at James 5, 13 to 20. It's going to be up on the screen. Please, please read along with me in God's word. James 5.13 says this. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayers of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. This is God's word. It's absolutely true. He gives it to us because he loves us dearly. Let's pray and then we'll jump in. Father in heaven, I am thankful for the ways that you've provided for us this semester. and uh, I, do, I do give you thanks for the encouragement of singing and the encouragement of your word, the encouragement of friends, 
please uh, use even tonight to sustain us and grow us closer to you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd be at work right now through this word so that we might know you and love you more and love one another. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're, if you're a fan of the TV show The Office, you know that one of the things that happens is sort of an ongoing subplot is that uh, Jim is pulling pranks on Dwight all the time. This, this is how the, the show starts as he puts his stapler in jello. And uh, as the holidays approach, I'm thinking about holidays a little bit. Of course, I will never listen to a Christmas song before Thanksgiving, no matter how much I might be tempted and no matter how much my children might pressure me. But I am thinking about them a little bit, and I was thinking about the, uh, the prank where Dwight comes in around Christmas and everything on his desk, including his desk and his chair, is wrapped as a gift for Christmas. And he tells Jim it's going to take him, you know, he says, how long did this take you? It's going to take me about, you know, two seconds to, to unwrap it. And then he puts his bag down on the desk and it just goes straight through and he sits on his desk and it turns out there's nothing there. It's like just empty boxes that have been wrapped. It's this moment where Dwight is like seeing this thing that's supposed to be what it is and realizing that its essence is missing. The thing that looks like is really at the center of what a desk is, isn't really there, right? And and I'm really glad, I'm really thankful that James ends his book like he does in this passage because it's, it's a reminder not to forget, like, what's the essence? What's underneath all the wrapping paper? And of course, it's not just wrapping paper, but it's to say, as, as you look at this life that James calls us to, that God's word calls us to, this life uh, of, of good works, this life of living faith, this life of uh, obedience, this life of wisdom that comes from above, this life of, of using your self-control to tame your sins so that you might act in love of your neighbor, all these things that we've seen. He says, don't, don't forget that what's really the essential part is this life of prayer. This mysterious reality wherein God invites us to, to converse with him, to, to speak to him and to listen, to, to pour out and share our hearts with Jesus as he shares his heart with us. And so what we're going to see tonight is we're going to sort of see this last essential piece to this life of true religion, this life of following God, which is a life of prayer. And we're going to do it by, by asking three, three questions. The first is, why do we pray? The second is, when do we pray? And the third is, how do we pray? That's what we're doing tonight. Why do we pray? When do we pray? And, and how do we pray? So first, uh, why do we pray? And, and I just want to say this. If, if, you hear, if you hear one thing tonight, if you take away one thing from this larger group, I want it to be this. The reason we pray is because our Heavenly Father invites us to. And I want you to think about that for a second. We pray because our Heavenly Father invites us to. The the God who has no beginning and no end. The God who created us by the word of his power and all the cosmos. The God who who gave up his own son unto death in order to to redeem us from sin. The God who knows us and not just knows about us, not just understands us, but I mean, he knows every dark and twisted thought and motivation and thing we've ever done. This God invites us to this intimate act of pouring out our hearts to him, of speaking with him personally, of listening to him recognize how unnecessary that is of God. Like he doesn't have to do that. Like he could make us and he could die for us and he could call us to believe in him in order to be saved and he could command us to obey him and that would be enough to be saved by God's grace. But in addition to that, he invites us to come and to share our, our hearts with him. It's, it's like an absurd mercy. It's this 
It's a scandalous aspect of God's grace that he would invite us, sinners that we are, to come to this intimate communion of his presence. We pray because God loves us and invites us into intimacy with him. Every time you come across instruction in the Bible on prayer, which is all the time, okay, uh, the most famous one being the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus gives the, the teaching on the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You, you need to see and, and stop and remember how much he must love us and delight to hear from us. Uh, in, in many other traditions and religions, you, you, you pray because either A, you get something out of it, or because the God that you're praying for uh, requires it. In, in no other religion do you pray to a God because he wants to hear from you. Because he delights in your voice. He's a delight in an honest expression of your heart towards him who is your father who loves you. That's why we pray. Because our Heavenly Father invites us to. And, and not only yeah, the sort of second part of that, and we're going to see this tonight, is that we also pray because praying works. Praying works according to the Bible. And what I mean is that when we pray, God's listen, then that our, our prayers are in God's mercy given power. In God's mercy, our prayers are, are given power. Verse 15 says, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. Verse 16, the prayer of a righteous person has great power. So we're going to talk about that more tonight as, as we go on, but the Bible's claim about prayer is, is perfect. It's that God answers prayer, and he acts in accordance with our prayers, which is an insane reality when you think about who God is and who we are. Okay, So that, that's the first. Why do we pray? We pray because our Heavenly Father invites us to come to him because he loves us. Okay. The, the second question for us tonight is, is when do we pray? And, and I'll read this. I'm going to read these first few verses again. 13 to 15. You can just listen or follow along if you have it in front of you. It said, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So if you're suffering, or if you're cheerful, or if you're sick, or if you're guilty of sins, like, there's no occasion when our instinct and default mode shouldn't be to pray to God. There's no occasion. So sometimes we have the tendency to only pray when uh, things are going, like, really well in our lives, you know? Like, we, we have margin, and we have space, and we have peace, and we're not in trouble, and we're not suffering, and we're really feeling close with God. And then when things get rough, when things get busy, when we go through pain or loss, we kind of get so anxious that we forget to look to God. You know what I'm talking about? And then there's other times where it's kind of the opposite. Like when we are struggling, when we're in pain, we, we, we come to our knees. We're, we have that sense of that, that urgent, desperate need for God. But when things get better, we sort of lose that urgent sense of God. That, that rhythm is all throughout the whole Old Testament. It's all throughout my life. We lose that urgent sense of, of dependence on God. And I think that one of the main reasons that we why we don't pray is because we're, we're just scared. Maybe that's just me. I feel like one of, the, one of the reasons I don't pray is that I'm scared. One, I'm scared to admit my need and my desperation. And, and the second thing is that I'm, I'm scared that it won't work, which according to this passage, it will work. I, I'm afraid sometimes to pray for things because if it doesn't happen, it means something means something's wrong, means something's not right about either me or, or God. But God's word calls us in, in every occasion to pray to him. 
And I know that some of you have had really hard semesters and some of you have had that guilty experience of having a pretty good semester and most of us are in between somewhere. Wherever you are, God invites you to come to him, to come to him this week. The, the last thing we'll focus on tonight is this final question, how, how do we pray? And, and there's a couple different aspects that, that we see in this passage about how we pray. It, it says we pray in faith. It says we pray in righteousness and it says we pray uh, in love. Verse 15 is the part that says the, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will, will raise him up, okay? First, let me tell you what this does not mean. This does not mean that if you believe hard enough that God will answer your prayers. That is not what this means. Because God's, God's mercy and love do not work like that. They are not conditioned on our faithfulness. They are conditioned on God's faithfulness, which is good and perfect all the time. This is the kind of line of thinking that, that leads you to believe that if you pray for something and it doesn't happen, it's because you are the problem. It's because you didn't have enough faith. And, and unfortunately, this thing, which this is a wicked and twisted version of our relationship with God. Like this is, this is something that is peddled by people claiming to know Jesus. That if you pray with enough faith, you'll get what you want because God wants you to be happy. Okay, that's, that's not what this, this means. Praying in faith means praying to God, believing that his will is good and perfect and that he can do it and that he will do it one day. That's what it means. The prayer of faith means praying to God, believing that his will is good and perfect, that he can do it and that he will do it one, one day. We talked a whole, a whole sermon on this, learning how to pray like Jesus did the night he was betrayed, thy, thy will be done. Do you remember that a few weeks ago? The sense of the, the openness, the invitation of God to tell him exactly what we feel and exactly what we think we need and exactly what we want, but adding those simple words, but Lord, not my will, but your will be done in order to profess and to, and to train ourselves to believe that God's plan is better than ours. That's the kind of faith that's required for these prayers uh, of power. The, the, and then the next thing is, is this praying, believing that God can do it which can be really difficult. Especially if you have the experience like I have this year where you've prayed for things that haven't happened. And some of you may have had the experience of there's things that you've prayed for for a long time that haven't happened yet. Maybe you've prayed for them for weeks or months or years. The older you get, the more you're going to have things like that in your life. What does it look like to cultivate a faith in God that says, I, I know you can I believe that you can. That's a prayer of faith. It's not about what happens. It's about who God is and what he can do. And then the, the last thing I'll say on this point is this, and this is maybe the most challenging thing here, is that we pray with patience. We pray with patience. And by that I mean that there is, there is a day coming, God promises, when every wound will be healed. And there will be no more tears for the sadness in our lives. God says that there is a day coming when every injustice will be made whole. There is a day coming where everything hurt will be fixed. Where every broken relationship will be made. That, that, that day is coming, but it's not here yet. And, and I know not everyone who is on this Zoom is a Christian, but if you're a Christian, we, we live in this tension of this moment where God is going to make everything right and good and whole again, but he hasn't done it yet. And so part of the patience of prayers is knowing that those things are all going to happen 
and we just don't know to what extent we will get a taste of it here and now. And only God knows why that is. Only God knows why some people who pray for healing get healed and other people don't. Only God knows why some people who pray for some venture that they're on and it succeeds and other pray and, and it fails. O only God knows, but you, but you can pray knowing that whether it's answered here or later, it, it will be answered in faith. It will. You will be given the desires of your heart. You will be given peace and joy and wholeness and healing. And this is a really important thing for us to hold tight to because right now we don't have it. And we want it so badly. And you're supposed to want it. And it's coming for you. God's love and mercy is chasing you until that day. It's coming for you. We pray trusting that in the end our prayers will be answered. Even if we had to wait for it. That's, that's prayers in faith. Trusting in God's good and perfect will. Trusting that he can do it. And that he will make everything right one day. We pray hoping that it would be, that it would be soon. Uh, the, I'll say the last two quickly. Uh, the next is that we pray in, in righteousness. It says the prayers of a righteous person have power. And he gives this example of Elijah who prays for drought and there's no rain for three and a half years. And then he prays again and there's rain on the earth and it bears fruit. And, and again, we got to remember what this doesn't mean. The prayers of righteous man, it doesn't mean you got to be a good enough person for God to answer your prayers. The prayers of a righteous person means that our whole lives have to be aligned and our efforts to follow Jesus. This is sort of a warning. This is a sort of calling us out when we're not following after Jesus in our lives, but then we're asking him to do things for us. Right? This is like the only time you ever pray is when you have a final exam coming up and you ask God to help you. And the rest of your life is not attuned to trying to follow Jesus. This is when the only time we pray is before a sporting event that we're competing in. And we, we say a prayer because we're supposed to. We think God's going to bless that. Th this is the warning against having places where our lives are, are we're, we're giving ourselves over. And we know we are to, to sins of lust or greed or, or gossip or slander or whatever it might be. And, and that we're, this is one other thing over here that we're praying for. The, the warning is align your whole life. Come to God with your whole life. He actually longs for you to bring all of you to him. He actually longs, and he will bless that. He will actually give you prayers of power. Because in his mercy, he gives his power to our words. So how do we pray? We pray in faith, trusting in God's power and his perfect will. We pray in righteousness. That's aligning all our lives. And then we pray Finally, in, in love, this is the very last, this is the way that, he, that James ends. This is such a remarkable way to end this, this letter. He says, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, doesn't that sound like the parable of Jesus and, and the shepherd who goes after the lost sheep? If anyone wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wanderings will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. It, it says, orient your life and your prayers in love of others, and especially in pursuit of others who are wandering away from God. This, this is this beautiful call at the end of trying to figure out how we're supposed to live our lives to say, don't forget your orientation should be others focused, not you focused. Don't forget that love of your neighbor should dictate everything that you do in this world and in this life, and even in how you pray. One of the things that I find convicting as I, as I read this passage is how much of my prayers are about me. 
God commends the beauty of going after one who was wandering. And of course we do that in friendships. We do that with our words. We do that with our hugs. We do that with our emails and texts. And we do that with our prayers. Having this other focused, other centered focus as we bring prayers to God. So in the, in the midst of the, of the craziness of this week, at the end of a long and exhausting and challenging semester with exams on the horizon, on the heels of an election, in the middle of a pandemic, with everything else in our lives, how do we put this into practice? What do we do this week? Okay, I, I have a couple of suggestions. Uh, the, the first is this, is that this passage, it, it mentions individual prayers. If you're suffering, pray. If you're cheerful, praise God. It also mentions praying with a friend, and then it mentions this, you know, calling the elders of the church to pray for you, which is this incredible act of like humility and faith and trust at the same time. My question for you is, where do you need prayer? And the challenge is for you to ask someone to pray for you. Could, could you cultivate a, enough of humility and trust to name to another human being out loud that you need help and asking them to pray for you? That's, that's, that's my first challenge to you this week. Ask someone to pray for you or ask a group of friends to pray for you and with you. Uh, the second one is this, is that there is, according to this passage and many other places in the Bible, there is, there is one prayer that you can pray, one thing you can ask God, and he promises to give it to you just how you ask every time. Do you know what it is? It's forgiveness for sins. He promises to give it to you every time you ask. And this passage says, like, like other places, that our experience of forgiveness with God is connected to our experience of forgiveness with others. So James says, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other. And so the second challenge is, is do you have a dark part of your heart that you haven't told someone about? Do you have a secret that you're struggling with? Do you have something that's going on in your life that you just haven't brought to the surface in conversation with friends because you just haven't been able to find the chance for it to come up? My, my challenge is, is to tell someone, to bring it into the light, to experience the, the power of having someone else in your life on your side in your fight to follow Jesus. You are not meant to do this alone. The, the last thing I'll say is, is this, is that you're in the midst of two really, really busy weeks and the temptation might be to say something to yourself on a night like this of, you know, when I get home, you know, when I get through exams, I'm, I'm really going to, I'm really going to attend to my walk with Jesus. I'm really going to work on my prayer life. I'm really going to read my Bible. And I just want to challenge you, don't wait two more weeks to prioritize your life with Jesus. Don't wait two weeks to call to him in every circumstance, to, to heed his invitation to come into the intimacy of his presence and grace. Start tonight. Start, to, start today. Start tomorrow. The, the, the thing we haven't really talked about tonight, and that, you know, prayer is one of those things. I feel like you can, I told, us, I told a friend today, I feel like I could have given like a five-minute devotional on this passage or like written a book about it because prayer is so big. It's one of those things that's really challenging and also really simple, okay? So if, if, you're, if you're listening tonight and you feel like, you know, I kind of hear this and I sort of believe this and I don't really know what to do and I don't really spend much time praying, here's what I, here's what I recommend doing. I'd recommend trying to take like five minutes and just trying to be still and quiet and just pay attention to how you feel. We don't do that very often. Pay attention to how you feel. Pay attention to who you are thinking about and then tell what you are thinking 
to your heavenly Father who loves you. That's all it is. And talking to God, it, it doesn't feel magical, doesn't feel mystical. He hears you because he's with you by his spirit. And prayer is one of those, it's one of those beautiful things. Prayer requires faith, but it also forms a greater faith in you, right? And prayer requires humility to come to someone and say that you need things. It requires humility, but it also it forms a greater humility in you. Prayer requires a love of God, a worship. It is a worshipful thing of him, but it also forms in you a greater love for God. So if you want to grow in faith, if you want to grow in humility, if you want to grow in love, pray. And it will start to change you. And it will start to mold you more and more so that we might, we might more and more both be able to enjoy that intimacy of coming into his presence and more and more be able to be agents of love to the people around us in our lives. That's my prayer for you. It's my prayer for this community as you finish this semester. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do come to you in prayer and we do come uh, with thanks that you invite us, that you welcome us to come to you. It's an, it's an amazing thing. And I pray that you would grow our, our faith in you. And Lord, I, I pray that in, in whatever we are feeling this night and this week, that you would give us the faith and the humility and the trust to come to you in prayer. Lord, I, I pray that you would give us the faith to, to name things to you that we maybe have not named and to share things with you, trusting that you share your heart with us. I pray that you'd give us the courage and the faith to share these things with friends, with our community that, like you call us to, and that you'd give us that joy of having people in our corner in the fight to follow you. Lord, please be with these friends, these students, as they finish this semester. Please give them strength according to your will. Please give them perseverance according to your will. Please protect them and keep them. Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen.